Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views, episode number 49. I am your host, Anthony Bercali, owner-operator, madman, at TFU.info, the website tutorial archive, Transformers University podcast, this podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to welcome you to a little bit of a bonus edition of episode 49. So if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, and you should be, youtube.com slash info. I posted this video, our spoiler review of Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom up just a few days ago. Now, if you notice, I'm recording in a bit of a hushed tone. Uh, it's early morning in the Bercali household, uh, and my daughter is still asleep, so I don't want to wake her up. So one of the things I promised in the video was some bonus audio for the audio edition. So we're going to do that on the front and back end of this interview. On the front end, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the folks that are in this interview. Now, it came together pretty quickly, uh, this interview, which was fun. Um, it was really uh, me and a bunch of my longtime fandom friends who I spend uh, an inordinate amount of time text chatting with and having uh, group chats on, on on our phones and in Discord. And I decided to put together a panel uh, to interview, to review this really, uh, because just hearing my take, I felt like wasn't much of an experience for you. So of course, you know me. And then uh, also on this panel is Gabriel Owens, the salty sea man who you've heard here many times on the show. I don't think I need to uh, tell you much about him. Uh, we also have Jen Ulm from Stasis Pod podcast. Now, Jen's been on the show before and Jen goes way back in the fandom. In fact, in the video for this, and she'll mention it in the, in the audio, uh, she's wearing a BotCon 95 t-shirt. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was at BotCon 94 too. And uh, she co-hosts a couple of podcasts, Stasis Pod, where uh, they started out reviewing episodes of Beast Wars one by one, and then continued on into other Transformers series. And now I think they're alternating between uh, Rescue Bots and Prime, depending on where they can find it. Uh, so that's a great show to check out. And she's also the co-host of Icon Underground Radio, which is a uh, news program uh, that is posts semi-regularly. And uh, so th there's that as well. Also on the panel are two... I would call them Beast Wars celebrities. Uh, they're not they're not actors or, or production folks. But if you were around during Beast Wars, you know, one of the interesting things about being around at that time on alt.toys.transformers was the writers interacting with the fan community. And oftentimes some fans who had helped with the writers or worked with the writers would get a uh, special shout out within the show. So also joining me on this panel were James Hooks, uh, who is a longtime fan, a huge Beast Wars fan, goes by uh, the handle Hooks X back in the day. And Hooks had two mentions actually uh, by characters in Beast Wars. His website, which was Beyond Imagination, like the uh, quote from the Transformers the Movie poster, uh, would, there's a line in there in one of the episodes early on where Megatron says something is going to be Beyond Imagination. Uh, and it's 
totally a call out to Hooks, uh, who was one of those folks that kind of had uh, inside track on the writers back in the day. And in, I think it's Agenda Part 1, there is a uh, a moment where something is happening in subsector Hooks. And so uh, uh, James has a huge appreciation, a huge love for Beast Wars, and I think that comes out in this interview. And finally, and he's been on the show before as well, uh, we have uh, Ben Yee from BWTF.com. That's Ben's World of Transformers.com. Uh, actually, early on, I wasn't sure if it was .com, .net. It might even be both. Um, but back in the day, Ben ran BeastWars.net uh, before changing the name to BWTF.com. Um, BeastWars.net was Ben's site, and it was kind of one of the few places on the internet to get information on uh, all things Transformers, really. And Ben also had uh, a pair of mentions, well, one mention, I think, and then he was also credited uh, as a story consultant of some sort, I think on Agendas Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, but Ben was, uh, one of his screen names was Wonko the Sane. And in the episode, I think it's Possession in season one, uh, Waspinator gets possessed by the ghost of Starscream and uh, he says he's Wonko the Sane. So there you go. There's a whole bunch of uh, random little tidbits. It's part of what made Beast Wars fun for us back then um, on top of the great story and the great characters. So we have a bunch of old Beast Wars nerds uh, who, <laughs> who have varying opinions on the show. So if you haven't heard the interview, stick around. It's coming up right now. And if you have, uh, make sure you stick around for the end of this episode because I'm going to go a little bit more in depth into some of my thoughts on Kingdom, ones I didn't quite get to talk about on the show, and wrap things up. So, I'm going to play a quick message and then into the interview. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more? Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucalli, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan, we'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite robots in disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out. Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Bricali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, tour archive, Transformers University podcast, this podcast, and oh, so much more. And today we have a special Kingdom spoiler edition of the show. Somebody once told me that we would have an all star cast of Transformers fans for this particular podcast. So let me introduce you to who is on the show today. We're gonna to start with my bottom left here. The man, the legend, the most positive man in Transformers fandom, Ben Yee of BWTF.com. Uh, 
but maybe do that. BWTF.net. Dot com. Dot com. Dot net. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gabriel Owens, uh, the salty seaman. Yo, 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 yo. Got Jen from Stasis Pod. Hey. I, I wore my most legit t-shirt today <laughs> nice. in case anyone was like, who is this girl? She must be some weirdo who showed up for the prime yaoi. Or an IDW shipper. Yes. You still look I like, mean, you're, your, you still my, look like you're in your early 20s. You're like, and you're old. <laughs> my other, uh, the other one I was thinking of was uh, a, a Chrome Dome and Rewind t-shirt I have. So, but decided to go well, old. We can talk about gay stuff school. though, at least. Yes. Very excited. <laughs> Very excited. And I, walked finally, sun, I walked in the sun for an hour today, so I'm a, I'm a little, uh, I look a little baked. Is that why? <laughs> I, had these <laughs> I don't know why. All right. And one last person. We can't forget the other legend in this crowd, the illustrious James Hooks. Thank you, sir. Um, actually, my name is Brian Kilby. We have to make sure we get the naming and the branding accurate. Did you try um, to be on this just to prove there were two different people? But are we, though? But we failed because... It's a big question. That's why I he didn't come on, I swear. <laughs> he chose to come on in his Hooks persona this time. Has the, the Hooks mask, the Hooks body. Yeah. All right. So we are here to talk about Kingdom. Uh, the latest installment in the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy. And so uh, I, I don't have a particular approach to how we're going to talk about this. So I figured we'll just talk and, and see where it goes. So I, I think let's, since we started, we went in this order, let's start with Ben. What were your impressions uh, of the series, of this particular portion of the series overall? Um, my take on it is Kingdom is the strongest of the three parts. Um, I can honestly say I was entertained. Uh, there was, I actually cared about what happened to some of the characters. And by the end of it, I was actually very satisfied with it. And they kind of left it, I don't know how spoilery we're getting, but they did leave it open with some trap doors for more stories. Full, if they full want. spoilers edition, I think. Okay. Yes. So, so let's, let's, um, yeah, let's let people know here. So here's yeah, your chance to punch out. Uh, we're going full spoilers right now for, for this show. So the way they left it off, the war is kind of on pause. It's almost like the end of Return of Optimus Prime, right? Where, okay, for you know a day or something, Galvatron's not going to try to kill Optimus Prime. But of course, once Rebirth kicked in, everything was back on the table, right? Uh, it's kind of felt like that was the state that they left the show at. So if they wanted to do more, they could. And I actually would be curious to see, after the experience that Megatron goes through, seeing his potential future and, and all the stuff with Unicron, where he would have gone as a character and I would have liked to see how Optimus would have to deal with that and how I also kind of wanted to see would the Beast Warriors kind of poof out of existence at some point given that the future they came from technically doesn't exist or maybe it does in the multiverse uh, they were a little fuzzy on that and I'm sure that was on purpose well yeah um, well, the TVA hasn't shown up yet to prune them so. exactly yeah and they they as characters seemed a little fuzzy on that you know they said yes. this is we're in an entirely theoretical state at this point, and we could just poof out of existence at any moment. But let's keep going. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> let's, 
Let's see if uh, Owen Wilson shows up to give oh. us a hard time. Well, apparently he doesn't understand the multiverse either. So I know. Nope. nope. Uh, and, and they're literally like, fuzzy because they're beasts. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the mammals. Um, but I will say I did have reservations about it, which I won't go all into now because I know you want to get to everybody. So we can talk more about that later. All right. So. Since uh, since Ben is waiting here, Gabe, how do you feel so far about uh, Kingdom? Uh, I really hated the first episode. I thought it was that was the worst of the bunch, and like, you know, at least they got most of it out of the way. And he's, it, and plus, the just the jarringness of you know a lot of the voice acting was just like, why this choice and the pacing and everything. But you know, once see, episode two kicked in, like it, it was it was fine for the most part. You know, I had my irks. But I had parts I like, you know, Air Razor, uh, Black Arachnia. I actually really like the Star Scream. You know, he's kind of a character; it's hard to screw up. Uh, and then, you know, it. And then you would get into more, you know, my, my personal gripes with it. But overall, it felt pretty mediocre. Uh, certain plot points, I'm kind of interested in following up on, but I don't know if I'd slog through another season to watch them. And if I wasn't reviewing it after the, how bad I thought the first episode was, I probably wouldn't have got past that. But you know, season episode two got a lot better at least, but it was a low bar set, I thought. And Jen, what would you say? I feel like I like it more the further I get from it, which is kind of the opposite feeling that I always had with the movies was that I always loved them for the first couple minutes. And then the further <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that was actually terrible. Uh, <laughs> That was that was the second movie for me. I was like, walked out. I saw it with Alan Young and walked out like uh, toyboxcomics.com. Yeah. Uh, walked out of a theater. We're like, yeah, it was a fun popcorn flick, whatever. And then, you know, thinking about it, it was like, man, that made no sense. And there's like a 30 minute walk through a desert. And I'm like, you know, second viewing, it's like, it's still okay, but it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, Actually, it wasn't as good as I, it wasn't as good as the first time I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're going into specifics, of course I, I did, I got a big kick out of, uh, Air Razor catching Black Arachnia and then playing off <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, I like the part when, uh, when they're in the forest with the Allspark where it's like messing with them and she's seeing like a wolf and I'm like, I too am haunted by the specter of expected heteronormativity. <laughs> it's just she's remembering she's she's got this deep seated I, 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 fear I, 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 of her, her and syllable had a bad breakup yes. <laughs> she's looking for new territory just this this uh echo of another another version of her that was just expected to be straight because she's like aggressively <laughs> like when her when she sees rc and she's like oh the pink one is cute <laughs> So I, I like that. Uh, I've had a lot of feelings about the whole like sexy lady action figure thing because I'm like, I want that, but I realize that it's coming from a creepy place, but it's, you know, it's it's weird. Uh, I really, I, I should have been expecting uh, the arc to transform, but I was not expecting it. And I'm like really looking forward to that toy. And that just was like, oh, that, that was really it. cool. So I really loved that, that whole part. Uh, Wheeljack was a lot of fun. 
I, I, I think it's because uh, Ben's energy is permeating the uh, the group chat here. That's so why I'm he's feeling here. Like, you know, Wait, we ain't got the hooks yet, so don't stop. Uh, that's, that's why I let Ben go first. I, I, <laughs> and hooks go last. Let's start with the positive guy, then let's crap all over it. There was, there was definitely, like in the last... The last episode, I was like, why is there suddenly weather on site? Like, where did all this moisture come from? But on the other hand, the snow was extremely my aesthetic, so I couldn't complain too much. So it was like, the voices, yeah, some of them were good. When they were good, they were good, and when they weren't, they weren't. Uh, Black Rackney and Air Razor's voice actresses were both excellent. Uh of course, Frank Tadaro has been like the best star scream since at least Tom Kenny. Uh, I don't know. Steve Blooms was really good too. But uh, the pacing was sort of like I, the, the last episode. Well, just well what scenes you watch it in, Tricks? Yeah, yeah. So, but I did end up, I started watching it at the 1.25 speed. Uh, and then I was like, well, if I'm. Now my cats are destroying everything. I was like, if I if I do that, it's not fair to be reviewing it if that's not like the way it was actually presented. But yeah, it was just there were a lot of times when I was like, how is this episode not over yet? Because it's just so plotting and things. Everyone just, is talking. It's like, very like, drawn yeah. out. I heard someone say Stevie Miss Prime <laughs> on, on Twitter. That was <laughs> So it's, you know, it, it definitely had some enjoyable elements, but as a whole, it was sort of a slog to watch. The right. end. That's my summary. So, speaking of <laughs> destroying everything. Oh. <laughs> I know Hooks had mentioned in our text chat uh, before the show that uh, he had some choice words for the show. So, lay it on me. I did have some choice words, and this is a family show, so I will keep it clean. Um, do you remember The Incredibles? Yes. And what was the villain's name? Syndrome. When he said, you know, he'll have his fun, um, but he'll share his inventions with everyone because when everyone is super, no one will be. And that's how I felt about the 2.7 trillion MacGuffins and magical devices that were occurring in the show where everyone was just it was like, we must find the old Spock. We must find the Matrix. The golden... It's like everything was important at the same time. Everything had the same level of importance. And there was absolutely zero earned stakes in this. It was... Everything was special for the sake of being special. And it felt like there were so many unearned moments, so many pieces of just things had to be this special thing because they said it was special. And I didn't feel any sense of real urgency to any of the characters' motivations. I didn't feel like there were even characters. They're more like walking trademarks who were allowing the plot to, to take them where they needed to go as opposed to having personal motivations to, to guide them and to, to allow them to, to make decisions on their own and, and to, to have a sense of, of 
who they are and why they're in this universe and what is motivating them and what's driving them. They were essentially directionless and yet all moving at the same pace towards the same place. Uh, there were no surprises in the show. Uh, if everything is special and every magical device is just as equally important, then obviously people are going to want to get it. And since this was the last in the three-part uh, trilogy that was... Look, we all know that most Transformers media has been garbage for the most part. There's pieces of it that we can get from it that we enjoy, but the good stuff is great. Uh, IDW was great. Uh, Marvel UK was great. And Beast Wars, I have a very personal connection to. And I didn't have a problem with them using Beast Wars characters because this is an IP. They have to be able to recycle the IP and renew it and and be able to have characters uh, go on their own adventures. What I have a problem with is essentially copy and pasting and really fast forwarding certain character arcs like Dinobots. And when episode three came and it hit the same beats as Code of Hero, but with none of the emotion, none of the, 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 the feeling of, I know that Dinobot is on a journey and that he is struggling. And it was more, oh, we have to kill Dinobot because Dinobot dies, that's his character. Cool. And then the fact that he's been a Predacon in this universe and there was no indication that he was with any of the Maximals, and they all surround him and still like treat him as if he was a hero. And yes, he did retrieve the Matrix for Prime. But is that really enough to have a, a hero's funeral and for people to hold awake for him? Or would they say, oh, the, I guess the Predacon uh, did something good for once. Okay, let him die. Let's go on with our business. But no, there, there is none of that. You have great characters like Rhinox and Wheeljack working together. And you essentially reduce them to Bumblebee's tech support. It, it, it's hard to really say anything good about this show when there's just so much wrong with it. And that's not even getting into the voice acting. I am utterly against the use of non-union actors. And as much as we love a couple of the people who are on the show, um, this is the result of clear cost-cutting measures and a clear indication that there just wasn't as much care put into who these characters were going to be, as opposed to getting some voices behind some character models that might you know, provide content for people to, to absorb. Um, uh, but yeah, Black Rackney and A-Razor, they were cool. Um, <laughs> they kissed. I like, I, I like, I like there, there's bits I like. I liked Bumblebee. There's a hint at Bumblebeam and Starscream have some kind of friendship, which is out of IEW. And then I started thinking of all the cool things from IDW they could have used. And eventually I just remake IDW Lost Light in place of the show. And it's a lot better in my head, but you're not throwing some beasts in, you know? But, uh, but, but isn't yeah. that just like another reference, right? Like another line that's what that's not about the plot. It's just a reference to something else that is better. I mean, it, it feels like the, the good stuff is, is based on other media and other fiction that was much better than this. 
Well, it's, it's like an old, it's like the old saying in pro wrestling. It's like, it's like, okay, you, you do a really good stone cold impersonation mm-hmm. and it's kind of fun to watch, but it just reminds everyone you're not stone cold Steve Austin and they want him at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, I can, yeah. as, as a, uh, a comparison, I don't know how many of you guys uh, got through watching Cyberverse. I, I don't watch either I of did. the previous shows. So I like when I was vaguely aware that it was a trilogy. Do you mind spoilers? No, not at all. No, no. I'm not going to watch them. So, so there's. A I'm, I'm sorry, Bo two tonight at Ant's uh, insistence. In the first episode, there's this part where there's a there's a uh, a flashback to a Decepticon named Deadlock coming into McAdams and and switching sides, uh, and then you have Drift, and it's like I'm so excited because it was the first like not movie inspired drift in you know anything except idw you know to make the jump to another piece of fiction uh and then in like the third season he just turns bad and murders tries to murder hot rod and i'm like why do you have him there if that's what you're going to do with him is just have him be like, oh, actually, I was I was still a bad guy all along, and it's that sort of like pulling, you know, pulling at your emotions from another piece of fiction, but then like not really knowing quite what to do with it. Like someone said, like they went through wiki articles looking for cool things to do. It was like, you know, I, I sort of like the the part I like about Bumblebee is like, you know, I think they. Oh no no! Uh, when Shockwave gets the, or Starscream has the cloak, he says, "Yes, Shockwave made this for me." And it's like, someone read on. Someone went looking for like who who in the hell could be Starscream's friend, and they read, "Oh, he they were but they had a bromance in the G one comics." You know, we'll uh, so we'll we'll throw that in, which is which. Those are the kind of references I like. If they didn't do that on purpose, which I don't know if I give them enough credit, but I I like that bit. That's yeah. like that's using a reference to something else that I think is the is a right way to do it. And then it's a little nice little nod. To Hooks's point about the MacGuffins, I think that was one of the things that threw me about this show in that um, they did, they all carried the same weight to them. Um, Going back to the first series. Stuffed them all in there. They were like, just take this MacGuffin and this MacGuffin from over here. Let's have the golden discs and let's just jam them all together. If I ever remember. If I ever never hear Matrix of Leadership, Golden Disc, or All Spark again, I'll be happy. I'm so, I just is like, it's, it's so overused. I think that's more than anything, they couldn't get another plot device. Yeah, but see, I was fine with those. It was just more of, I think, what we, what we see in the show is that the, um, the Matrix and, and the Golden Disc, and uh, to a large extent, are like the important pieces in the All Spark. But then, like, you have these minor pieces like the Alpha Trion protocols from the first series, or uh, Scorponok from from Earthrise, or these other bits of, of of story that are there for a minute and then gone, but they're treated just as importantly as the other senses, which is saying. And I think like you don't know where to to put your focus in some of the series. Um, I would say some of the positives that that come out of this for me is that I feel like they really treated the Beast Wars stuff very well, uh, in that they they respected the lore to the point of they they still had Maxwells and Predacons. They're still, you know, descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons. Um, but they didn't um, 
didn't go the IDW route where they were just something completely, completely different. And I, I think that that is a big positive in terms of their approach to this, because I think that'll encourage people to go back. And, you know, I feel like the show is good. It's not great. I, I, this show, I feel like I've liked more the further I've gotten away from it. Whereas it like to Jen's point before that um, the other two series I've liked less, the more I've thought about them, the previous two series. And so uh, this one is, it's been enjoyable, but not, it's certainly the best of the three. Um, and, and there's certainly some things worth discussing. So I'm going to throw one of the big ones out there right now. Feel free to chime in. Megatron, Beast Wars Megatron, voice. Just <laughs> everything about... I heard someone else who had gotten... I don't know if it was one of you guys or if it was someone else who I knew who had gotten early access who compared Beast Wars Megatron to Beast Wars Scorponok. That was me. <laughs> he sounds like him he feels like him he's got that very same you know suckling, he, he's, suckling uh simpering notice me senpai thing going yeah yeah and that was really i kept God. waiting for it to be and, he was going to release his master plan we're going to see the real you know he's going to pull out some double trick he's been working us the whole time no he's, he's just a dim-witted wannabe it's like it's like raksha wrote it and Black Rachnia and Dinobot keep talking behind his back about how, what a useless, yeah. like, cultist wannabe he is. And it just, that hurt a lot because that he's just, like, one of the great characters. It pissed me off so bad. I know you can make different takes of characters. But also, if you can't do the yes, don't do put it. Put it in the script. Don't, if, you're if that not, guy can't do it, he doesn't need to do it. Yeah, that hurt, that hurt my soul. <laughs> it was. I assumed that it was just that uh, the the writer on the episode had, you know, put that in the script. But then, yeah, the voice actor they got couldn't pull it off. The voice actor they got was no David they, K. The, char the characters with known gravitas in their voice didn't have gravitas. Rhinox, right. Unicron, other than Megs, who you know, obviously they always get their best uh, Frank Walker impressions. So at least we always are consistent there. That that really that hurt me a lot because Beast Wars Megatron so is much. like one of such My a soul. great character. Uh, I've I've uh, it, it really hurt, hurt it really hurt me enjoying the show. It did. I've been actually watching rewatching a good chunk of Beast Wars lately uh, because uh, there's a an online stream that does like tsunami stuff. Uh, and they'll run through, they they alternate between Beast Wars, and then when they run out, they do reboot, and then they come back to Beast Wars. So I've had that, like, on in the background at work, and just remembering, just being reminded what a good show <laughs> it is, and what a great character he was, what a great villain, and just, he's got, like... What a great like, voice actor, union voice a, actor... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I definitely also have very strong feelings about them cheaping out on the voice acting because I think you absolutely need to pay good people to do good work. Uh, and and yeah, I think probably I would say that Beast that Predacon and I did watch it with subtitles uh, and they call him Predacon Megatron was one of possibly the most disappointing things about this show was just that characterization of him was just and just why would smart characters like Dinobot and Black Rachnia follow him and we kind of got 
a feeling for that in their own conversations. Like but they, he, they're, they're the outcast. They have nowhere else to go. And he had a motive yeah. of charisma, but obviously nothing like the original character. It seemed less like they were following him for him and more because more their the, goals aligned. Right. They, 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 showed no, was, they showed no loyalty to him whatsoever. He's just there. Right. What he was trying to do was something that they also wanted to accomplish. And that's the only reason they were following him. So yeah, that, that hurt. <laughs> that you know, to be fair, to be fair, the original Beast Wars, he didn't, uh, the original Beast Wars Megatron didn't exactly have a bunch of loyalists on his side. Right. Well, yes. He, yeah. Tarantulas. Inferno. Uh, Terrazor. It was, it was basically Inferno. Terrazor turned on him. What are you talking about? <laughs> even when they weren't loyal you well, could sort of understand him, but I don't think you really cared about him. Yeah. yeah. You could understand why they thought this was someone worth following even if they then had their own agendas, you know, their Absolutely. their their goals were, you know, Tarantulas was definitely going to be going after the smartest leader in the room whether he then just to help him further his own goals. Uh so so yeah, I not not big on this portrayal of Megatron. That was probably one of the weaker points. The only thing that's been allowing me to be okay with this characterization is just imagining in aftermath when Scorponok fell from the hovercraft <laughs> into the lava. He was transported to another dimension, found a, a Predacon Megatron suit, put it on, and did his best Megatron impression. <laughs> In the timeline. So, the so he pulled a shockwave from IDW? That... He pulled yeah. a shockwave from IDW. <laughs> so, you know, I was thinking about that, too, in terms of it being shockwave, uh, being shockwave, being Scorponok. Mm -hmm. I think the two issues they run into there is, one, they have two characters named Scorponok in consecutive series. Um, and they, I don't the, think they wanted to touch that. I know they touched whom, Megatron. The first of whom explicitly declared himself to be the last of the Scorponoks. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And the second part yeah, is that yeah. they have a $50 Megatron toy to sell. So he's going to be the character. I like it, it, was a like, it was a beautiful toy. It was a beautiful toy. You see the transformation? That was the most, I think the budget went into the transformation of Megatron. It did. It well, at did. least they I, showed somebody transform because there was, yes. again, back to a lot of Transforming is expensive. Yeah, back to a lot of off-screen transformations. So, you know, thinking about the original Beast Wars, since we're, we're on that topic, um, and I'm going to turn this one over to Ben, I think, you know, episode three is interesting in that it, it really is meant to parallel uh, Code of Hero in a lot of ways. Um, surprisingly, it was the only thing, it was spoiled a lot less sooner than Code of Hero was in that no one posted Dinobot <laughs> Dies. Uh, so with that in mind, Ben, how do you think they handled uh, that? James over there <laughs> Um, the the death you mean? I'm sorry. I, yeah. I'm, so, okay. but, or or just even not even just the death, but the Dinobot Dinobot's arc here versus his arc. So I I liked the idea behind his arc here. I liked the idea of he's a conflicted character who wants to do the right thing under his own code of behavior, and doesn't necessarily see the people he's allied himself with following that code of behavior. Besides, I'm going to do what I think is right. And goes off and unfortunately pays the ultimate price for it. I agree uh, with Hooks that if they had developed that, I mean, if they had the budget to develop that over the course of a season, say, you know, like a 13 episode season or something, it would have been much more earned. 
the way it played off was it i liked it but i felt like well we're missing a piece two pieces of the story one why did the maxwell seem to get along with him so well and know him so well and i felt like there was history there because they established that they had been fighting on ancient earth for quite some time now right over 200 maxwells had died that doesn't happen in one day they've been fighting this war for years so my guess would be in that time frame either dinobot has switched sides before or he's done honorable things that in some way benefited the maximals in the past so that's where that rapport comes from because it certainly wasn't really shown how that rapport developed in the show but it was there somehow um the other thing that wasn't earned as much it was also the, the, and I, again i agree with hooks that he wasn't given enough time to show well, why is he so conflicted why is he doing all this stuff we, he kind of says it and we just kind of have to take his word for it but you know the original beast war show spent a lot of time showing us dinobot's conflict showing us why dinobot behaves the way he does and that he's consistent right even with the people he's allied with once he joins the maxwells it's not like his personality changed he was still the same dinobot <laughs> you know and dinobot was a good character on the show like they yeah. i think they did him justice and i liked him i liked his design a lot he looked yeah. like dinobot the beast, the beast in general looked really good i loved all the designs yeah so I, I think that you're kind of getting to the core of the problem here which is that they didn't have enough time yeah <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have a three season. I mean, they did. This is the third of the three seasons, but that's like having something huge happen with depth charge that you're supposed to super care about him for. When you would have, uh, you know, '80s cartoons where some character would show up and die by the end of the episode, <laughs> it was it was like that. Yeah, I think cool. that's that's a good point. So think about transmutate, for example, right? She was only in, or they were only in uh, 22 minutes of the show. And yet we cared about their, 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 their story. We cared about their struggle. We cared about how the other characters interacted with them. And Transmutate became a tragic character. Um, and yet there were only 22 minutes to, to, to really build that up. And I think that, you know, part of the challenge is that when you have a lot of characters in a show with a very short runtime, you have to really pick and choose what characters you're going to focus on. And I think that given the focus somewhat on Dinobot in the first few episodes, but then treating it his demise as if it was meant to be a tragic thing, it is poor plotting and, and, and poor planning for a character arc. Uh, had he died in, say, episode five, and you were able to, you know, invest a few more minutes into what that history was and what what kind of relationships he had with different characters and what was really motivating him to be so conflicted, uh, it would have paid off a lot better than than just trying to play the the greatest hits of Beast Wars. Well, that was a complaint that I had again, having actually watched all of Cyberverse, which I don't think most people in the fandom actually did. Uh, but as you may have noticed, we had a pandemic over the last year and a half. And at work, I got sectioned off into a little forgotten conference room and could watch whatever I felt like. Uh, so part of that meant going through and watching all of Cyberverse. Uh, but uh, the it, it was it had its it was a lot like a younger pitched version of this in that 
it had some really great moments, but it did occasionally try to cash in on, you know, take it, pull in your emotional investment in things from other Transformers stories. Uh, and also the pacing was just all over the place. Like I got the feeling sometimes that they didn't actually know where seasons were supposed to break. <laughs> like the, the beginning of the third season is really like the ending multi-parter of the second season. And then like, fourth episode in and there's some other thing happening entirely that is clearly where the fourth season was supposed to be. And then there's like some, it, the pacing is not, I don't know at what point if that's just an issue with the, I think the it's story, animation. I think like it's animation. the story editors. They, they have it, to, they're padding. They had to make 25 minutes and animation's expensive and they have to pad a lot of time. Well, I assume that's, that's the problem with the voice acting. Well, it's from all of it. That's the, the the pacing moves with the voice acting, and I think but, that's just like there's a lot of, you know, you could cut out a lot of those Stevie moments and save two or three minutes, but then they got to animate and put something exciting in there, and right. it, they have they're having budget issues like we well, saw. Scorponaut got cut out. I don't mean that pacing. What I mean is the meta pacing. Oh, like the what whole, I the mean is arc. Yeah, they, they could have done this in four episodes. I think. Yeah, I mean the pacing where. Like it, you seem to have reached the end of the story at the end of the next to last episode, and then yeah. suddenly the last episode goes to something that's significantly different. Uh, and that could have been like maybe moved to like a mid episode, like a mid season, maybe had the first three episodes be the earth part, and then have the last three episodes be on Cybertron instead of it just being this last. So, yeah, I don't mean like. The the, ma the the micro pacing. I mean the macro, macro pacing, pacing of yeah. the good, entire series <laughs> as a whole. Right. Yeah, the same thing. Like it felt like it was over, and then all of a sudden it's a whole. It's another episode, and we've thrown all this stuff in. Dead universe. Galvatron suddenly a very important person. Oh, let's go meet Nemesis Prime, who at least we had gotten bits and pieces of. I think more than Galvatron. But right. it felt like they'd been talking about all these little pieces that finally come together, but we got so little of. It's by the time it hits you, it's just like, well, what's going on? Where did the show go? Why are we suddenly here? What's, what's the dead right. universe? They didn't, it's like we needed Nightbeat there to explain the dead universe because they sure as hell didn't. No. And that was, and I know they did bring some writing staff over from Cyberverse. And I'm wondering if maybe some of the, the story editor, the people like, you know, Larry Dottilio and Bob Forward, whose job it was to work out the macro pacing. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's some of the same people from Cyberverse who decided in the middle of season three, suddenly we need to have a like MacGuffin quest arc for several episodes. And then now suddenly this thing that happened 20 episodes ago is extremely important that we've never spoken of since then and stuff like that. So no. yeah, that's, I'm, I'm wondering if, that if if some of the same maybe story editors who aren't as experienced in writing this kind of series are coming on board. Maybe it's non-union writing staff. You know, one of the things here that, that uh, you, you bring up that's an important point, I feel like this season feels like almost, even though it's only six episodes, and, and I think 
you know, one of the things I agree very much with is that the show itself does feel uh, a little bit like they tried to do too much in too little time. Uh, the thing I'm wondering about is that first part, the first part, and this goes to that macro storytelling is that, uh, uh, we feel like, I feel like the Beast Wars story, the, the Maximal Predacon story is episodes one through four. And then five and six are kind of like, oh yeah, we have two and a half other seasons to wrap up. How do we, how do we do that? And, you know, even to go to the part where they end up back on Cybertron, I feel like some of those things were shortchanged. I mean, they literally put Alita One in the fridge. And then they 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 did a lot there with just like forcing you to like oh yeah these characters died they died off camera and too bad and that's you know now that's Optimus's motivation um, that those are the things that kind of irked me but the things that were kind of cool was when you had them fighting Galvatron and Nemesis like you're looking at basically evil versions of the two characters right so you have Optimus to his extreme and Megatron to his extreme. And now you have to fight them both at the same time. And I think for that, for the action and for the pacing there, it was very well done. It was very, it was very kind of cool to see everyone fighting alongside each other. And I think one of the things the season succeeded with was creating the team ups and the battles that you would kind of naturally want as, as an older Beast Wars fan or as a G1 fan or someone who is both to kind of see them interact with each other. Is this the first time that we've had Nemesis Prime as a a version of Optimus Prime and not like a separate entity entirely? Think I mean I, I, don't I know never about heard Japan. yeah I've never heard him getting because this is a, I've never heard the storyline of him getting changed by Galvatron. So I mean yeah I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's an that's interesting new. that's yeah. an interesting idea is having actual like corrupted future Prime having him Galvatronized. Uh, okay and the last night had optimus call himself nemesis prime yeah right, that's right. true that too yeah, yeah. see i was like i, I thought this was pretty much a standalone series so i didn't know there was so much tied to the first two so i came in there like coming in is like wanting to watch it by itself they did a poor job explaining a lot of this stuff it was like whoa wait Sweet. where's all this shooting at me from it you know, does like, definitely... and that's something I think you could do. You could clean up with those two and a half extra minutes of, stu of Stevie time, give a little more exposition to someone like me. I just like, hey, I just want to watch the Beast stuff. It does feel like they get here, you know, and I did watch the other two series. And it does feel like they get there and immediately the Beast Wars characters hijack the entire story for a few episodes. I, so I, I had no reason to believe there even was a continued story because it just went yeah. right into Beast Wars. Beast Wars! No wailing electric No guitar riffs. No, no guitar riffs. Needed, needed guitar riffs. Yeah. So I will say, on the positive side, episode five did have some great cinematography and some good fight scenes. Oh that my was, goodness, that was the best the fighting whole in, thing, in the thing. Yeah. The arc. Yeah. The arc <laughs> was great. I, what, I don't know why I wasn't expecting that to happen, because... I've got that toy on pre-order. <laughs> it's coming soon. People have what? been getting it and posting it on Twitter, but uh, but yeah, I wasn't expecting it. And I was very like, oh my God, that's so cool. And, and it and... was sort of interesting, Teletran talking about uh, 
finding that form when scanning alternate futures, which gets into that sort of multiversal thing, like it saw the last Autobot in some other timeline and intentionally, right. you know, remade itself based on that. And that was cool. I I didn't realize it was the last Autobot reference till I read it. And I was like, oh yeah, that because I was kind of like, it happened and like I just it just kind of went by me, which felt weird because like that's a pretty big moment. But mm -hmm. yeah, reading about it, like oh the last Autobot, you're like oh there's a toy. I'm like oh yeah, now I remember it a lot better. <laughs> but you know, I'm wondering, you know, I, I was thinking about what demographic they're shooting for this show with, you know, and I figured it has to be you know around our age demographic. Uh, you know, grew up on G1 uh, Beast Wars. They watched in their dorms during the college casually. And otherwise, haven't thought of Transformers since, you know, uh, the last Michael Bay movie, which they probably hated. So that, that's, I, I can see going for that audience. I wonder how big that audience is because I figure they're going to, they know they got the hardcores no matter what. We'll throw some references to G1 and IDW and, you know, and make them, make them happy or they think they're going to make us happy, but, you know, we're never happy. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know what the uh, different production paths with this stuff uh, going to Netflix are like, but they, uh, that new Masters of the Universe show was getting like a full media, like I'm all, I'm surprised that they didn't, maybe they did have Kevin Smith on some late night shows. Because, and an all-star cast of, you know, all of Kevin Smith's buddies who agreed to do it. For right. <laughs> but they had him on like the Today Show at one point promoting it. I'm like, who what is the the audience overlap there we're just carpet bombing the media right now promoting this show i mean i guess moms with kids of an appropriate age would be that audience uh but with this the budget it's it's not that same kind of promotional budget it's not that same kind of budget at all and it it, it kind of hurts <laughs> you know i think it's that uh um you know, Mattel with their boys brands probably has can afford to put all their eggs in one basket. Mattel doesn't own though two anymore. But they're they're behind Mattel Television. They're, they're, they have the license, but they don't actually own it. Yes, but they are producing the the Revelation series. It's produced by are Mattel they? Television. Um, so they have they have the ability to put all their eggs in one basket in this, whereas whereas Hasbro is probably splitting their their dollars between the Snake Eyes movie and and you know three Transformers series and. Power Rangers and whatever else uh, they're trying to, you know, land a Micronauts movie or a mass movie or whatever else they're trying to do. Um, so I think, you know, you're seeing Mattel go all in on He-Man because they can't do anything but go all in on He-Man. Um, you know, the time, the time was right for it, obviously. Everyone's going, you know, and that audience would be a little older than ours. That's like a almost 50-year-old audience. To some extent, it's not that much more. I mean, you know, He-Man hit in 82 and 83, so you're only talking... On average, average, two years old. I, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm 42, and I was definitely big into the He-Man and the She-Ra as a kid, and it kind of got replaced by Transformers because I like robots. Robots are extra, <laughs> super special, cool. Uh, but I definitely, you know, had have a lot of good memories of getting like a new She-Ra toy while we were on a road trip and that sort of thing. So you know, it's it's about our same age. Not really. So, I feel like we're sort of on the edge of, of where that is. So given that robots are extra cool, I'm going to bring this back around. Uh, let's go around and we'll start with hooks, I think. Um, give me your sure, one. You sure you want to do that? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, 
give me your one your one moment that that you you were really into the show for a second. You know, something that got you to the edge of your seat, or something that got you, you know, into this uh, into this series for ten seconds. The moment when the Maximals in episode five and the camera spun around them and Optimus Primal in the most dull voice ever <laughs> said Maximals maximize. They transformed, uh, attacked the nemesis. And um, I think it was a nemesis. And um, yeah, that, that scene, it was like, okay, this would be what it would be like if Beast Wars was produced in 2021. Uh, just an excellent transition, excellent uh beginning of a great fight scene. Um, and I kind of want to redub that scene with some guitar riffs and, and, and random beast wars chants. And because I, it just, I think that the, the actual cinematography there was, was really good. Awesome. Ben, what would you say your, your one moment from this series has been so far? <laughs> um, there were a lot of them, but I'll tell you one of the earliest ones that grabbed me, uh, and it's a very simple one, was Air Razor and Laserbeak having a bird fight through the forest. Um, because that's actually what I think the series needed more of. It, this, to me, of all three parts, was the most toyetic. This series, of, this of the all three, is the one that made me most want to play with the toys. Um, it is also the one that made me most glad I own most of the toys already, uh, so I wouldn't have to find them online. Um, but that having that scene, and later on in another episode, having Cheetor fight Ravage, it's not something I ever really thought about, but as soon as I saw it, I said, I've been waiting to see that for years, and I didn't even know it. Uh, there was just something about playing with the whole beast form thing between G1 and the, the Maximals and Predacons and contrasting that that I found wonderful. And I wish a little bit more of that mashup type spirit had happened in the show. Uh, everyone uh, mentioned before the whole issue with too many MacGuffins and so on. I think if we had gotten away from that a little bit and focused a little bit more on just being playful and really enjoying like taking this toy box of characters and putting them all in, you know, on the battleground on my carpet and, and having an adventure with them. I feel like if they had done a little more of that, uh, there would have been a little bit more joy that I think people are looking for in this show. Um, I will say though, uh, that said, Kingdom did another thing, which I'm very happy about is it got away from the dreariness that I think overwhelmed me with Siege and still kind of hung around a bit for Earthrise, though it was a little less. Uh, this There was a lightness to this show that I really enjoyed. And I think those two moments that I pointed out exemplified that lightness. You know, I, I, I agree with you there. I think, you know, for me, um, uh, my moment really was, I, I, I mean, because I'm a wheeljack nerd, that the, him working with, with Rhinox and Rat Trap, that, that set well for me as like, that's the team up I, I, I wanted to see. I knew that would be your see. favorite part because it was of a good Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> and it was a good real um, thank God. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and then so that 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 really led me to feel like being able to see this set of team-ups um, really worked well. Watching Dinobot fight G1 Megatron was probably the moment I really got to the edge of my seat. Like, this is pretty cool. This is, it parallels the, the end fight in, in Code of Hero but it wasn't exact. 
He's still lost. He ended up having to fight them both at the same time, right? Uh, loses his arm before he dies. Like, th there's a lot of really uh, just... It's, it's a little dark, it's a little gritty, but it, it, it felt like it fit. Uh, I think, I think yes, there's a lightness. I think the comedy here was good, too. Some of the, You know, one of the jokes that I keep uh, seeing passed over, like the jokes about Megatron and two Megatrons and having them have to decide who, you know, he's got to change that name. That's all really, really good stuff to me. And then uh, the other one was uh, when, I think it was, was it Air Razor? When she's flying above the forest and they're all in that haze. And she's like looking for the Autobots and she's like calling out names and she's like the red one. <laughs> that made me laugh because I was like, oh, that's Sideswipe, I think. But there's so many of those body models. Yeah, he could be the red one. What's um, his name? Yeah, what's his name? Jen, what about you? What stood out for you? I, I guess, and I feel bad because I was, you know, criticizing them for drawing on your emotional attachment to things that are already out there. But I did, I did really love the arc transforming to fight the nemesis. I loved it, him looking in his hand and having Megatron in his giant, enormous hand. Uh, and I did really love uh, that the part where Air Razor swoops down and catches Black Arachnia, that that was a callback to when that happened in Beast Wars, except it was Air Razor instead of Silverbolt. So if you're going to have a callback, just, I thought that one perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just the whole fight with the, uh, the arc, just reaching up and holding back the nemesis. And it was, though I, they, they did call out earlier when, uh, I think in the first episode, when Primal calls Optimus nemesis, because that's, who he thought he was and someone's like the Decepticon ship because that's what happens when you that keep is it's exactly what happened I was because I didn't watch the other two series I was like what are they talking about oh that nemesis okay yes it, it was a very good all the good names are taken sort of <laughs> call out there so I like that they called that out um but but yeah I thought I thought that was just such a a well directed big fight with all these other little things going on around it. So that was, that was my moment. And Gabe, wrap it up for us. Uh, uh, surprisingly, uh, the beat, there's some good beat stuff in there. I mentioned, you know, uh, uh, black arachnia is, you know, blatant lesbianism. I, you know, I just adore, uh, you know, but it was a little, you know, cheater didn't get a whole lot, but Bumblebee last episode, just who gave him a personality all of a sudden? He was just kind of a nobody and he's up in Optimus Prime shit, and he's just like laying into him. And I'm like, Oh my God, he grows some balls. You know, he has the one by thought the funniest line in the show is like, hello, chosen one. Thank you. And I'm like, he got a personality. Holy shit. And like someone actually made a joke instead of everything's all grim and gritty. So I really enjoyed Bumblebee in the last episode. Like it's a part that stands out to me. You know, I want to see more about like this relationship with Starscream. He seems to have that part intrigued me. You know, uh, and, you know, Starscream's relationship with Shockwave. I really just want to ship all these characters, and uh, you know, that's <laughs> probably been my favorite part of it. Uh, but you know, kind of regret. You know, there wasn't enough Cheetor. You know, we get one big bot, and did he even say Ultra Gear? You no. Know, if, if, I, if I saw a second one, I would want more Cheetor. I'd say. I don't think. I think the only actor that they carried over from Cyberverse was Optimus, but they I think they could have stood to have gotten the Cyber Cyberverse Cheetor 
voice actor because he has that I when they had him and Bumblebee and Hot Rod together, I called them the Autobot Himbo Squad. I was yeah, I was I was waiting for that, but uh, you know the voice actor was fine. He 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 gave the cheerful young, you know, it's as the voice acting on the show goes, it was definitely better than a lot. So yeah, but yeah, but Bumblebee but, very good at being dumb as a rock. Yes, that's my kind of Cheetor. Delightfully. <laughs> he was like the the all spark guardian, but also just absolutely duh. <laughs> so. so you know, you guys mentioned, I think, and one one last thing I think it's worth talking about before we close out. Um Starscream's arc here. Uh I think it's, a, it's really show, interesting and underlooked piece of this in that Starscream. Uh, you know, the joke watching G1 over as a, as a 40 year old is that Starscream is the most effective Autobot. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. you know, he's been working deep cover all these years. Prime play goes by and slips him a five like every other, you know, every, every couple of weeks. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, Starscream's arc here where he is the person who sees what's going on. You know, did anyone see that coming? I don't. I don't know if I did. And you know, yeah. he was being selfless. Sense? He was being selflessness about it too, which is like so against what Starscream is. He's a coward traitor. And he's like, yeah. you know, for the betterment of everybody. I want to. I want to be the good guy here. And it's everyone's like, well, bull crap. You're Starscream. <laughs> I really loved Black Arachnia calling him on waiting for someone else to get rid of Megatron so he could be leader, waiting for something else to take care of Megatron so he could be leader and never ever being proactive about it. And her just calling him right out on that. That was a really good scene. And that was a good use of the characters. And, like, and a, a callback to, to Starscream, to the Starscream episode in the original B-Stores because she's one of the ones who actually read the files and knows what a, a cowardly traitor he is. Yes, they're from the future and they know a lot about history. history. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, speaking of the original Beast Wars, uh, you know, I, I would be remiss not to mention this, but I think this is the first time uh, on a podcast where we've had two people who have had a mention on, on Beast Wars. <laughs> In fact, two okay. people who were both twice mentioned on the original Beast Wars series. In in Ben and and in in, in James. Some sector hooks. Yeah. So um, the same. I, I don't think this has ever happened in in Transformers history. So you have a first here. So as we wrap up, does anyone have any final thoughts they would like to impart on people who are planning? Well, if you're planning to watch the show, we just ruined it for you. But people who maybe walked away from the show with one opinion, uh, where you might want them to have a, a different outlook on. It's, you know, I think it, different strokes for different folks. I think there's you know, a lot of people like Ben who are going to enjoy it on a different level. You know, it's like, I'm going to sit here and pick it apart because I'm a nerd, you know, and I really wasn't happy with a lot of the characterization on Beast Wars. You know, the the, the plotting, the pacing, the the weird breathing, whatever that was going on, it was so distracting. But there's a good story there and a lot of good little elements. It's like the Bay movie. Sometimes you just got to pick apart the parts you really like, you know, uh, High Sky Fire, right? <laughs> Looking at yeah. you, Jen. Uh, so yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I I would like to see that a second season if it had a new voice acting cast and a new and a better written script, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of people, will, like I said, that casual guy who remembers uh, one of my favorite ones. A girl called him Gay Dinosaur Megatron. You know, from the dorm room. <laughs> you know, they might be like this torrent. It's like, oh, cool! I get to see all these guys again, and then maybe they won't be as thrown off by some of the mischaracterization and less than stellar voice acting in some places. 
So yeah. no, I think gonna, one thing that is clear. Oh, go ahead. That's it. I'm done. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say one thing is clear is that there is definitely interest in the franchise. There is interest in the 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 mythos, the the characters, the 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 stories that helped inform a show like this. And I think that as long as there is still interest and there is still hope for great stories, great movies, great characters. Uh, and while I personally found this to be lacking in more than a few areas, I think the fact that there is still an investment to be able to tell stories about these these robots that turn into so many different things, I think is 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 just making my you know five year old heart flutter. I remember the days when the early days of the internet being like 11, 12 years old, and we were just writing fan fiction because there was nothing out there, no content, no comics, no TV. Like me, and me, no, me, no me and Jamie go back to the fanzine days. We, we got you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Hooks, your, your fanfic was one of my first introductions to the online fandom. So, <laughs> aww. <laughs> Ben E site's probably one of the very first transformer sites I got onto because it was linked on every single web ring back in the day. It's like you gotta go to Ben Yee's site if you want to look at you want to know B stores. All, all the young kids are going, what the hell's a web ring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Ben, I I uh, I think I tagged you into it over on Twitter a couple months ago when I finally got a chance to dig my my old bin of uh, fanzines. Out of of my parents' basement when I was getting the last of my storage out, and I just pulled out a few of them and just arrayed them for a nice photogenic picture. And there's definitely some of your art in there. <laughs> wow! I wish I, I still had mine. My mom burned them uh, when I went in the navy. Oh, <laughs> oh no! My parents don't get rid of anything. They still parents, got an Atari twenty six hundred down there. I specifically like had a box of "Do not sell this," and I came home after boot camp. They're like, "Oh, we sold it." <laughs> Though they do seem to have gotten oh. rid of my uh, extremely rare to the point like blue blue streak levels of uh, apocrypha uh, <laughs> gem llama that I had that apparently did not do well in the heat in a box of My Little Ponies. Oh, oh. Did I ever share with you all what my mom did to my original Marvel Transformers comics? Oh no. Um, no, but uh... she, she hole punched them and put them into a binder. Ouch. <laughs> that's, no, that's trying. Oh, that's fine for like flying. 65 issues or so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was, she was trying. She was like, trying. Like, even like, Car Wash of Doom didn't deserve that. No, no. <laughs> Maybe my career. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I like to refer to my parents as functional hoarders. Uh, I will say I'm pretty sure when they got rid of that uh, box with My Little Pony stuff, it was like, in 2015 or so. <laughs> I think when you mentioned the word hoarders on a show uh, dedicated to people who collect a lot of toys, everyone starts pulling when on the colors. <laughs> when I was staying with them a, a few years ago, in their junk drawer, I found a cassette from a gem mail away. Nice. That, wow. And, but no, the good part about this is that that was like six moves after I had gotten that. So they had moved that to like six different houses. <laughs> and just left it in the junk drawer. 
just kept the junk drawer just kept moving untouched. That's amazing. Yeah, yes. it just they just dump. I guess the junk drawer into a box and then into dump another it junk drawer. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes back. <laughs> That's how it works. Don't you know that? <laughs> It's so, like, yeah, it's like, that, it's like I, that bag of cables and wires you will never get rid of. And yes. It's just like, yes. It's like, I, I, there's nothing in the world that this will plug into anymore, but just in case that ever, I ever need it. Gotta have my Zune charger just in case. <laughs> so I think as we wrap up, because uh, we're just about at time here. So I want to, I want to, you know, wrap up because I know we can talk all night uh, yes. and, and we we have talked all night for the most part, uh, most of our lives. Uh, I'm going to, I think we should end once again on a positive note. So Ben, I'm going to defer to you and tell me if you're trying to talk someone into watching this who has seen Siege and seen Earthrise and wasn't necessarily impressed, what would you say to them to make them put this six episode arc on. Well, before I do that, I'm going to back Jen up on something. Cyberverse yeah. is actually worth a watch. It's the uh, best G1 show since G1. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> I'm, I'll watch. Jeez. Get, let me get Motu first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, trying to be a novelist. So I get really nitpicky about stuff. Like I have worked as a professional editor for fiction. So I can get very nitpicky about storytelling to an extent that is, absolutely not going to bother most people so when i complain <laughs> about the plot the like meta plot pacing that's it's not going to bother most people i, it's mean, a fun I, I mean jen did, did you not love the whole clobber storyline yes she was that amazing great. i loved her she was <laughs> i so mean great. i got the toy before she appeared on the show and i was like oh it's you know it's this homage right and then as soon as she appeared on the show i was like 10 times happier that i had the toy because she was yeah. such an awesome character. The whole arc with Hot Rod was so great. It ended tragically, but it was good while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a fun show. What it is, is if you watch season one of Cyberverse, it's pretty terrible. And then season two, yeah, there she is. And, <laughs> and in season two, it's suddenly like they figured out, okay, here's all the stuff everyone complained about season one. Let's do something else. And it was actually fun. And then season three was like, well, that's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Season and, one, when that was all there was, I called it the Bumblebee Needs an Adult show. <laughs> because there's literally a part where there's a button that he's not supposed to press. And he really wants to <laughs> now, now you're Now you're making me want to see this show. This is exactly yes. what I want. You know, that's my taste. It's but very silly. This, they resolve all of that at the end of the first season, and then they proceed to just have a perfectly normal G1-ish Transformers show. And it That ends. show gets very good midway through season it, one. It, it changes then... from the Bumblebee Windblade show to an ensemble show, and yes. that's a big deal, too. Uh, you get, like I, I said, the, the Autobot Himbo squad. Yeah. And just... <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to all three of those together. It's only missing Hotshot. It's delightful. Um, it's definitely delightful. And they do some so. weird stuff with lore that I think was actually kind of fun and creative. Like what I won't spoil what for you, Gabe, but Jen, what they did with Starscream was actually kind of interesting and fun at the yeah. end. <laughs> All the Quintesson stuff, stuff was just yeah. really Bizarre. wow. That you was... mean the quintessence. Yes. The quintessence. <laughs> yeah. no, you know, that's, crazy. that's how Simon Furman pronounces it. So I guess that's fair. <laughs> And it's multi-fusion multi quasal combined. Yes. What was it again? <laughs> Quinto, I, I Quinto remember. Fuso, Quattro Combiner? Quattro Combiner, yes. Quintro, 
quadrilateral, you know, something. <laughs> like totals, I know that. The important thing is, way, way back at like BotCon 97, I saw him on a panel and he said Decepticon. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's Simon Furman, I guess. Well, that must English, be how it's pronounced. I mean... yes. So, yes, um, Quintessen, I assume, is just the British pronunciation. We'll go with that. Um, but in terms of uh, Kingdom, so I get why if someone saw Siege and Earthrise and that wasn't their bag, they'd think, oh, gosh, you know, more of the same. Um, I don't think it is. I think Kingdom is the lightest, literally, like, visually lightest and uh, thematically lightest of the three. Um, yes, there's MacGuffinage all over the place. Yes, there's really rushed character decisions due to budget. Yes, everything. I can't disagree with a lot of what has been said here. But somehow, in spite of all that, I had fun with it. That's what I could say, is it really is the first series. Earthrise came close in one scene, which I'll talk about in a bit. But Kingdom is the first one where, from the first episode to the last, I felt like someone took a box of toys and went, we need to make a fun story out of this. Let's do it. It got a little mired in some things. The budget restricted certain things. But it's still fun. Like, that's the thing. Like, when I saw... Laserbeak and Ares are going through the forest and, and that big battle you guys were talking about at the end, I was like, I want to play with my toys now. <laughs> you know, that that's a great feeling. And I think that's a feeling I think some fans have lost over the years. I'm not so talking I, I, IDW Lost Light is like, I have a Lost Light shelf. Those are the only Transformers I've bought yeah. for the last three years. But I, they, It makes me want to play with the toys. It makes me want to have a getaway. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, because that story excited me so well. And if, if like as you said, is like, I see people who would like it like you would in the way you would. That's right. I can't say don't watch this. Right. You know, if you want a good popcorn flick or series that's playing with the Beast War toys, you know, here you go. Kind of ignore the, whatever the hell they were doing with the, the all spark and the matrix. And I just, I gave up trying to pay. Yeah. Attention. Don't, don't try to make too much sense out of it. Just no. kind of roll with it. I mean, here's the thing guys. And this is important for the audience to understand who's listening to this. Okay. I'm a guy, yeah, I, I can enjoy an art movie or whatever. I can enjoy really well-done sci-fi. I also love the Fast and Furious movies to death. And they're utterly ridiculous. They are not high art, high cinema, whatever, but they are fun. And I, I can enjoy that just as much as something that is well-written, well-plotted, well-arched, well-funded. Uh, you know, I think both have a place, at least in this brain over here. Um, but, you know, that's me right? That's me specifically. Not everyone has to agree with that. So if Earthrise and Siege were a little too dark for you, I think the lightness of Kingdom might appeal to you. Also from a visual standpoint, I think having the beasts really adds some spice to the show because uh, Siege and Earthrise both suffered from the same thing, which is visually it was very dark and it was just the same kind of clanking machines over and over and over again with really weird animations at their waist. Um, and, and Kingdom breaks that up with all the organic beast forms and the organic areas that they go into. Uh, so from a visual standpoint, I really appreciated that as well. The closest Earthrise, I think, came to being fun in the way that I think Kingdom was, was the battle where everyone fought Scorponok, because that made me want to take out the toys too. Uh, but if you enjoyed that moment or, or some of the Quintesson stuff in Earthrise, Kingdom is a lot of that. But don't expect it to completely track story-wise or even sense-wise. A lot of what everyone said on this cast is absolutely true. But I enjoyed it in spite of that. 
<laughs> I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't exist. So, so as we wrap up, Ben, I, uh, I think that's a great, great way to, to put a cap on, on this series. So, uh, where can people find you and how can they, they see your content? Uh, you can visit my website at bwtf.com, going 20 plus years strong. You can also find me on Twitter at bwtf underscore Ben and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ben's World TF. All right, Gabe, how can people find you? You can find me on YouTube as the Salty Sea Man. I am on Twitter at Gabe138, but I'm barely there. Uh, and on uh, TFU. Uh, the TFU podcast, whenever we start recording again. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have some more episodes. And you went 52 minutes without cursing on this one. Uh, no, I, I dropped an S-bomb. Uh, no, I know. That's that's when you cursed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I got to go back and take those out. So that'll be my fun for the day. Uh, all right, so... Uh, hold on, let me get rid of this. I planned that S-bomb, though. That, was like, that, that wasn't sperm in the moment. <laughs> Hooks, how can people find you? I'm too busy to be found. Um, <laughs> Lies, um, I got a website right there. <laughs> website, you, can, you can read my bio, and um, I'm just, I'm working. Tech is hard. Hence the uh, fun drink that I had throughout the, the show. Um, nice. Yeah. All right, and... Jen, how can everyone find you? Uh, I am on the Stasis Pod podcast. Uh, we also occasionally do a news pod uh, called Icon Underground Radio. And right now we are back to doing the Superhuman Samurai Cyberpod, uh, watching SSSS.DynaXenon, uh, which is a really good show. Uh, we are all hosted on IaconUnderground.net. Uh, you can also find me personally on Twitter at WreckerJen. Uh, I used to have Trickster with an X, which was my, I mean, still often handle. Uh, but I figured after about 10 years, I maybe didn't need people looking up all those old tweets. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> cancel Jen, cancel Jen. Yeah, well, more uh, trying to get a job at a federal facility. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> So record Jen at Twitter. I am on Twitter way, 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 way too much. Uh, come for the foster kitten pictures. Stay for the extreme leftist politics. Uh, also, our podcasts are at at I, uh, at Icon UG on Twitter. Awesome. And if you haven't caught Jen's podcast, it's uh, uh, both of them. Icon Underground and Stacey Potter are a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. The guys have gone. Where are you guys up to now? Rescue bots? Yeah, we are on season two of Rescue Bots. Wow, wow! I started with you guys at Stasis Pod, and then I got when you got to Rescue Bots, it was one I hadn't um, watched, and so I was trying to keep up watching episode to episode, and I just I couldn't do it. So now I'm way behind on on new uh, shows. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten to a point where some of the material we're covering is kind of like it's on like Tubi or something, like with uh transformers prime i think the first season is on netflix but seasons two and three are on some random other thing and it's kind of hard to pin them all down and i've had to go to some questionable <laughs> methods to to get some of our material that we've covered uh not quite like the 40 dollars i spent on a bootleg in humanoids dvd set but you know <laughs> we do what 30, we can worth it one. <laughs> yes and speaking of questionable websites, uh, uh, you can find me at www.tfu.info. 
if, if you're not familiar with with that website, uh, then uh, I don't know how you got here. So uh, what are you even my... doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you... Are you just wandering around the internet lost? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you haven't got here via that website, that's how you can find me. And uh, you can find all of our podcasts uh, uh, at uh, uh, basically everywhere where you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Apple, uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, the whole nine, uh, Transformers University podcast, and this podcast, uh, TFU News and Views, which if you listen to the podcast feed, I will be including some bonus audio at the beginning and end of this, uh, some more of my thoughts on Kingdom as well. And so I just want to thank my entire panel here, Ben, Gabe, Jen, James. You are all phenomenal. I love you all. And thank you for being a part of the show. Rock on, brother. Love you guys. See ya. All right. Thank you. And so as promised, here is some bonus audio for this episode of TFU News and Views. So I think the first thing. Uh, that is always going to stand out in Kingdom is Megatron. I don't mean G1, I mean Beast Wars Megatron. Uh, Predacon Megatron, if you will. Uh, and how his voice really does sound and act like Beast Wars Scorponok from Season 1. And I think, well, clearly Hasbro is trying to sell a $50 toy. I think I mentioned that in the show versus a you know, $20 or $30 toy. Uh, but, you know, Scorponok one had a had a voice actor and had accredited voice actor but had no lines. So it makes me think Scorponok's lines got cut or they credited someone for just snarling, which is uh, impressive on that level. But Megatron's characterization, what would have sold uh, the story better, now not necessarily sold toys better, is that if somewhere in the first two episodes, Megatron and Megatron fight because G1 Megatron does not want to have someone with his name floating around and, and kills Beast Wars Megatron, uh, forcing Scorponok to kind of be the guide for Megatron to this world. I think that would have played more consistently with with Beast Wars lore and Beast Wars characterization. But of course, that's not going to sell a $50 toy and... Um, you know, I don't know if the fallout from that would be better or worse. You know, you know, one thing that gets forgotten in all the talk of, you know, some of the negativity and even some of the positivity, you know, I think in the positive side, you have Black Arachnia's story of Air Razor. Um, you have some, some really good stuff with Dinobot. But one of the things that's lost in here is Optimus Primal's story arc, which, yeah, it's not really well acted, but. Again, it's it's a neat kind of way to make him somewhat mystical, like he was in Beast Machines, uh, and and use him as a way to um, assist Optimus Prime, uh, and also see Dinobot for uh, being a living being. So there's a bit of a compassion to Optimus Primal that we don't really get in this series, which I thought was nice. Uh, unfortunately, the biggest problem with Kingdom and with the War for Cybertron series overall is that there's too much too quickly. So we don't get time to care about any one or anything. Um, so there's, there's a lack of focus. There's a lack of focus in how um, people join the cast. And I, I think in a future episode, I might do a little bit of a comparison to uh, masters of the universe revelation, because there is certainly a care there. Um, there's a precision there. I won't say care. I don't think people make bad work on purpose. Uh, not to call this a bad work, but uh, you know, things that don't resonate. I don't think people go out to try to not resonate with people. 
just because it didn't land uh, with some people and landed with others. I think there there's a um, precision to Masters of the Universe Revelation uh, that's worth discussing in comparison to Kingdom and to WFC overall. But yeah, we didn't really have too much time to care. When you think about it, we've had 18 episodes over the course of a year and a half. Um, maybe even a little less than that, about a year. And, um, you know, that's that's barely six hours where, like, you know, Dinobot in this series, we basically had an hour and a half with him. In Beast Wars, we had almost two full seasons with him uh, off the bat before we get these mirror episodes in uh, what is episode three in Kingdom and Code of Hero in season two of Beast Wars. And yeah, I know I made the joke there about Dinobot dies not being spoiled. If you don't know what that means, uh, let me give you a little bit of the history here because it's kind of cool. Um, many of us, the older fans, our first encounter with spoilers had to do with Usenet and in particular the episode Code of Hero. Now, before things were fully digital, right? Uh, TV networks would either mail out tapes of... Uh, their masters, you know, to record a master onto a tape and send it to another station uh, for airing around the country and, and subsequently around the world. Or they would beam it on a satellite. And so you would satellite uplink uh, some footage and then, you know, wherever that network was, would take it in on their dish and record it on their end for playback on the air. And so if you had a satellite dish, which were expensive and huge, uh, I mean, you're talking about a thing that would take up a sizable portion of a backyard. Um, we're not talking about like a direct TV dish here. Um, you could zoom around and find things that are going up and down and get spoilers on stuff. Somehow someone did that with uh, Code of Hero and intercepted the the feed <laughs> and because uh, they they did that someone posted on Usenet with the header so Usenet works a lot like message boards is or an email is a subject line and uh, you would click on it and read you know read the message and of course uh, the header weeks before this episode aired was Dinobot dies so in in a world filled with spoilers, instantaneous spoilers, because thanks to like Twitter and Facebook. Um, it's amazing that this was spoiled uh, in the Usenet day faster than it was spoiled in 2021. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this special bonus audio edition of TFU News and Views. Once again, I am your host, a very quiet Anthony Brucali, owner-operator, Madman, tfu.info don't forget to check out Transformers University Podcast if you haven't and of course come find me on Twitter at tfu underscore info until next time see ya thanks for listening to the show want to be on the show Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. 
Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. <laughs>